Tonight we're looking at Revelation's Great Escape, and we have a lot that we need to cover, and so we're just going to jump in and uh, have a word of prayer and get started. Is that all right? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for good health and how good we can feel when we follow the directives that we find in Scripture and the the original diet that you gave in the Garden of Eden on nuts and grains and and eating or, or drinking all the proper water that we need to. And Lord, through this Daniel fast that we did not that long ago, so many improved their health and how well they felt significantly. And Lord, what are some other areas in our life that you long to give us peace and hope and assurance uh, in these times in which we live if we follow yet again your directives straight out of Scripture? So we ask that your Holy Spirit will be here again tonight, guide and direct us in all that we do. May it be clear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But before that happens, I believe Jesus is going to come back. And we have a lot of evidence in Scripture of this event. And so that's going to be our topic tonight, the great escape. And so we're going to be looking at God's end time plan as revealed in his word. And we're going to start again in our book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. So jumping to the back of the book now, Revelation 22, verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And so when Jesus was here, the question was asked, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Fair question, right? And that's the same question that we're asking tonight. And so Jesus started talking and telling them in Matthew chapter 24, This is in verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. So I imagine if the devil's going to counterfeit with false prophets, there's probably going to be true prophets. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a counterfeit, right? And so that's one of the warning signs he gives us, false Christs and false prophets doing great signs and wonders. Now, we don't live too far away from Asheville. And sometimes you can go hiking on these trails and all of a sudden you find beads and you find these stones and you find all this stuff. And at first it's kind of like, oh, that's fun. What is oh, let's, let's just leave that there. Because in our area, there's a lot of this mystical type of thinking and practice and all kinds of things that, in my opinion, is very much not biblical. Um, in fact, it's trying to tap into some things I don't want to have anything to do with. Says the United States during the last decade, the number of people who identify themselves as belonging to the New Age movement increased 247%. That's kind of depressing. <clears throat> new Age, is there anything new about it? No. Old as the hills. The modern occult, Wiccan, pagan, and Druid religion is now listed among the 10 largest organized religions in the country. Teens especially are attracted to these occult movements and outnumber older converts by three to one. And if you look on TV, which I don't advise you to do, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's really difficult today to find a good Christian-based anything on television. Now, I applaud some of these movie makers that are trying to make some some films that are more along the line with Christian thinking. 
And I'm not trying to say I agree with everything that they do, but I applaud them for their effort to try to change and channel things in a healthier direction, right? But more often than not, again and again and again, you have this feeding of the curiosity with this nether world and this dark side, and if you just do this, and if you just do that, and our kids are practicing not even far from here. I heard stories not that long ago of kids making things in mirrors and calling out certain things to try and get spirits to come, and they certainly did come, and the kids were scared half to death, and all these things. Where are they learning these things? Andy Griffith? Lassie? No, that's long gone. Um, And here you have maybe a false preacher. Counterfeits are not always easy to recognize. Am I a counterfeit? How do you know? Who told you I'm not a counterfeit? Maybe I am a counterfeit. And what better thing for a counterfeit to do than suggest he's a counterfeit so then you don't think he's a counterfeit when really he is a counterfeit and I could be a counterfeit. What you think you know, you may not know because I know what you don't know. (laughs) Break up of family unit. Um, Complacent attitude towards spiritual things and moral living. Do we see that? Birth to unmarried women in the United States. This only goes through 2004, but you see it going up and up. 50 to 75% of all marriages end in divorce. I'm just going to throw this out here for free. Um, I'm studying to get my doctorate in family ministry. And one of the classes we had a couple years ago was talking about divorce, this very topic. And he was telling us about a study where people were able to, from their own, I mean, they just asked them a question after their divorce. They said five years after they got this group back together and they said, okay, now that you're divorced, are you more happy or are you less happy? They're not telling them how to answer. They're not trying to trick them with all these other questions. They're just asking very straightforward, are you more happy or less happy? Because typically the idea is, well, you know, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And we tried. We did everything that we could do. And I understand it takes two. I understand two have to be willing to try. I understand there's some situations that you can't do anything about. I understand that. But the idea is, I'm not happy. I deserve better. And so I'm going to get out. That's oftentimes the idea. Not always. But from their own answers, five years later, So they've had a chance to be free, to to see somebody else or whatever it is. They say, I'm less happy. They bring those same people back. Ten years later, are you more happy or less happy than when you were married to this person? Guess what it was? Less happy. So if anybody here thinks that divorce is just the easy button that you buy at Staples and you say, you know what, we tried and it didn't work out. Next. There's a lot more to it than that. You truly do cleave, and when you break apart, it leaves serious scars and wounds. And I'm not trying to add salt to the wounds, and if that's happened to somebody here, I'm sorry. And we need to be compassionate to people that have gone through that. We need to rally around people that have gone through that. But we also need to remember, if we're in a marriage that's maybe not just perfect, we need to be careful thinking that divorce is just the easy button. The U.S. Census Bureau, 2005, American Community Survey. 50.3% of households are headed by unmarried families. 46.9% of people over age of 15 are unmarried. 31.7% of children live in unmarried households. 
And again, I think these are probably old statistics. It was just 2007, but a lot's happened since then. I wonder the statistic of, of children being raised by same-sex couples and that kind of thing. Um, again, I don't want us to be hard to these people or seem uncompassionate, but it's one thing to feel a certain way. It's quite another to embrace something. None of us here are immune to sin, right? We all have our own struggles. And he who is without sin casts the first stone, right? Does that apply to the homosexual? I think it does. But it's one thing to feel drawn in a certain way. It's quite another to lobby for your rights. It's one thing for me to practice something in my life that's not honorable to God. It's quite another when I give up entirely and I say, I should be able to do this thing. There should be nothing wrong with it. You see the difference? Yet that's where we are as a society. It's no longer, but it's, it's, it's lobbying and saying, this should be perfectly okay. When we have a book, that Bible's a little far away. We have a book right here. Oh, well, it only has seven, eight passages that even talk about it. Yes, and all seven and eight passages are abundantly clear. They don't leave any wiggle room. Oh, that was culturally conditioned. Oh, well, it was this. Oh, it was that. My friends, as soon as you start saying that about any part of Scripture, now I understand there's parts that are hard to understand, and sometimes there's things we have to put on the shelf, that this issue is not one of those issues. It's very plain. Now, do I sin in areas that the Bible's very plain on? Yes. Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Yes. Do I need God's power to overcome those areas? Yes. Do I need to just give up and say, it's okay, I should be entitled to do this? No. And as soon as I start to pick apart the scripture and say, okay, this part's good, this part I'm going to just rip out, and this part I'm going to rip out, and that part I'm going to rip out, and this part offends me, I'm going to rip that out, you might as well throw the whole thing away. And that's what you watch. Anybody who does that and practices that, eventually this book has no bearing on their life at all. Period. None. Because they've learned what to do. Oh, that strikes across something that I enjoy doing. Eh, Throw it out. Right? Oh, boy. How does this happen? Okay, we've got to roll. Rising crime and violence. That hasn't happened, has it? World Report on Violence and Health. Again, some more old statistics. Each year, more than 1.6 million people worldwide lose their lives to violence. I'm sure it's higher than that by now. Many more are injured and suffered from a range of physical, sexual, uh, reproductive, and mental health problems. This is 2002. What would it be? Eight, uh, how many years later? 14 years later? Violence is among the leading causes of death for people aged 15 to 44 years worldwide. That's in 2002. Don't get me started. Okay, keep going. Uh, accounting for about 14% of deaths among males and 7% of deaths among females. Economic uncertainty. We don't have that, do we? Oh, my. Revelation 18, 7, 4, and 1. Hour. Such great riches came to nothing. How many of you are carrying much cash on you now? You're not going to raise your hand, are you? <laughs> Afraid the preacher's going to hit you up. We live in a cashless society, and very quickly, how many of you saw what came upon us? Some of you may have, some in, in different, you know, banking or whatever, you saw telltale signs, but for the, the general public at large, peace and safety, peace and safety, oh, it's the balloon, no, it's not, calm down, and then all of a sudden, kaboom, bottom falls out, 
overnight while most of us are sleeping. People are scrambling. Big people are shifting money to other places around the world because they have some insight. And just like that, things change. I see that as I have four kids. That means my wife has been pregnant four times. I'm also not a math major. But anyway, when Elizabeth starts going into labor, I've learned after four kids, there's that, ooh, no problem. We got a little time. But I better start getting things in order. Make sure my bag's packed. Make sure this is safe. Ooh, how long ago was that? Okay, make sure everything's all ready to go. <clears throat> how you feeling, Elizabeth? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm, ooh, ooh. Why don't you sit down? Ooh. You get the idea, right? I won't keep embarrassing my wife. She decided to come tonight. <clears throat> How foolish am I if there's a significant ooh, and I think peace and safety will be fine. That baby's not coming. It's not due for another week. This is ridiculous. Here our economy did a pretty significant We'll be fine. Hmm. Foreclosures. Home for sale. We need work. Bail out the unemployed. Jobs now. Signs are being fulfilled. And here's just a review. False cries, wars, rumors of wars, cries for peace and safety, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, sexual immorality, homes falling apart, violent, uh, violence filling our lands, economic uncertainty. Friends, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Amen. There are too many birth pains. For us to just sit on our hands and say nothing's going to happen. Revelation 19.11 Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses. A white horse is a symbol of purity and victory and triumph. Jesus is about to mount that white horse and he's about to come in victory to triumph once and for all, over the sin-sick planet. <clears throat> Christ comes to vanquish the enemy. He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will finish this story and be the victor, won't he? He will. Revelation eleven fifteen. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign how long? forever and ever. Lucifer wishes he could claim that about himself, but he knows his days are numbered and he's upset and he's working with all his might to get one last jab. So what is this going to look like? God is not some mystic uh, guessing about the future. Jesus does not guess. He knows. He sees the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We saw that this morning. So the second coming is not vague. It is specific. So let's look at some of these things in Scripture that the Bible talks to us about regarding the second coming and what to look for. Just need a little fire water there. Here we go. The second coming is not an unidentified flying object. The coming Messiah will not rise up as an earthly charismatic leader. God's end time plan is revealed in His Word. And so we're going to look at some of these promises. Luke 17, 23. Man will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. 
They might tell you he's in this city or in that city. He's doing all kinds of things that he does. He heals and he unstops the the ears of the deaf and, and the eyes of the blind. And he's bringing people back from the dead. And all kinds of incredible things are happening. Guess what? When Jesus comes a second time, it'll be completely different from when he came the first time. But people that don't know their Bibles, they don't know any of these things. This looks exactly like Jesus. He's doing everything that Jesus did. He's quoting scripture. He's over here. Come see. Let's go check it out. Don't do it. How come? Luke 17, 24, for the son of man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. If you've ever been in a real lightning storm, you don't miss it when the lightning strikes. It gets your attention. You can have your eyelids shut and you see that there's lightning, right? Christ is coming down from above. He won't rise up from below. That's another key point. Okay? And he's not going to be doing all the things that he did before. That was the first time. This is a story I shared uh, a couple weeks ago. This couple was new to a town, and they noticed their barbecue was missing. They had just moved in, and out there on the porch, that's where the barbecue's supposed to go, and they went, and they looked for their barbecue. It was gone. What kind of a neighborhood did we move into? They stole our barbecue. They were pretty upset about this. Nobody likes to be robbed from, especially when you're new to a community. You're expecting a loaf of bread, maybe some flowers, and they take your barbecue. Well, then lo and behold, the barbecue showed back up. And they were all excited because in the barbecue, it says, we just borrowed it. Sorry for the inconvenience. For your inconvenience, here are two tickets. Enjoy the show on us. And there was some local event happening in town. They were all excited. Wow, how did they get these tickets? These are really great tickets. Good seats right up front. Let's go. And so sure enough, on Thursday night, they went to this big event. And when they came back, (laughs) what? (laughs) Empty. It was gone. They done got schnookered. Christ's coming will be a literal event. It's not going to be secret. You're not going to miss it. It's literal. Let's look at some more signs. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The same way must be different, right? No, the same way is the same way. Sometimes I get cracked up when people say, what do you think the the Bible means right here? You know what the best answer is for that? I think it means exactly what it says. No, don't you think it's a, a spiritual, you know, and it, it's, it's got all this other kind of, well, you know, sometimes in prophecy you have some difficult language and you can know that it's prophecy, but by and large, I think the Bible means exactly what it says. He'll come back in the same way. What does that mean? I think it means exactly what it says. A real Christ ascended and a real Christ will descend. Does that make sense? Another sign, Christ's coming will be a visible sign. What does visible mean? Behold, he's coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. What do you suppose that means? That means on our TVs, right? No. I think it means exactly what it says. My eye is going to see him. I've seen Michael Jordan. You have? Where? I don't know. I can't believe it. Did you actually? I saw him on TV. Oh, man. That doesn't count. Come on. I have seen the croc hunter, but he passed away. You can touch me later. Okay. Christ's coming will be an audible event. You don't even know who he is. That's okay. Christ's coming will be an audible event. What is audible? 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Hey, everybody. Psst, I'm coming. What do you think it means? I think it means exactly what it says. With a shout and a trumpet. If you've ever been in a band before, you know the director always gets upset at trumpets. Trumpets! Quiet down. There's other people trying to play. Anybody have a similar experience? Those trumpets can play so loud. You suppose that's the point? Finishing the verse, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And that's a beautiful promise. The dead in Christ will rise first. I can't wait for that day. All of us have put people in the ground. It's not a pleasant experience. But on that day, they're going to rise first. Hmm. I wonder if I'll notice when that happens. So we have a loud voice, a shout, a trumpet. All these people that were dead in Christ are rising. Huh. Sure hope I don't miss that. Is that even possible? I don't think it's possible at all. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now this topic may bring up some other questions in your mind. Put them on hold. We're going to talk about those. But I love this idea of now the dead in Christ rise first. What does that mean? I think exactly what it says. And those that are still alive and remain, what does it mean? Hopefully you and I, if we follow Jesus Christ, and we meet in the air and we're with the Lord. That's a beautiful picture. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to launch into another topic. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Matthew 24, 26. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Christ's coming will be a glorious event. Matthew 24, 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We find this both in Revelation and in Matthew. He doesn't want us to miss it, right? The real Christ is coming in the sky, in the clouds, and you and I are going to witness it if we're alive on that day. And if we're dead in Christ, we'll be raised first. We won't have to miss out in that way either. The real Christ is coming to resurrect the dead. I just love some of these pictures. But this one isn't so good. The Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Why are they mourning? Remember when I got all amped up about the police officer? If you were here that night, same cop, same lights, everything the same except one major difference. One, I'm going 100 miles an hour. The other, I'm going 10 under the speed limit. And if I'm going 10 under the speed limit, I just got passed by somebody 100 miles an hour. Get him. But if I'm going 100 miles an hour, I'm, I'm like this, right? That cop comes up to my door. This can't be happening. What did I do? (laughs) Same event. Same event. It's not only believers who will see him when he comes. When Christ comes the second time, every eye sees him. 
Back to Matthew 24. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So Jesus comes literally, literally, visibly, audibly, and gloriously. Christ's coming will be a climactic event. And I don't want to miss it. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Isn't that beautiful? For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Notice that's when we get immortality. Just file that away. We're going to talk about that some more later. That's when the mortal and the one that perishes is clothed with the things that are imperishable and with immortality when Jesus comes. And here's somebody that's excited about that day. Revelation 15, 3. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. There's all kinds of things that happen in this world. But I imagine the reunions that will take place. And Isaiah 25, verse 9. This is what I want to be on my lips right here. Behold, this is our God. I want to say this is my God. How about you? This is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. That time before... Everything is going to be crazy. All hell will break loose. But this is the God that saves us at the 11th hour. When we have no idea how we're going to get around, by, through, under, over, we're stuck in every sense of the word. But behold, Jesus comes. This is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him and he, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Same event. Two different responses. Revelation 6, 15 and 17 says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man. Notice a lot of these people are doing pretty good in, in worldly standards, right? And what does it say? Hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. We know, we, we, we know we've blown it. We made a poor choice, and it's going to cost us. Rocks fall on us. Hide us. It's very similar to these Ponzi schemes or whatever. When someone gets found out, oftentimes there's no trial because the person does themselves in. Same idea, isn't it? Same idea. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now's the time. Don't wait until then. I'm going to say a few Hail Marys then. Good luck. Now is the day. Now is the time. Well, I don't think he's coming for another hundred years. That's fine. <coughs> But if you get hit at the bottom of this 
road down here because your brakes don't work and that Mack truck plows right into you, 100 years just went real fast for you or for me. Now is the accepted time. Our eternal destiny is being settled by the choices we make today. That's the reality of it. The devil likes to think, oh, today doesn't matter. Do what you want today. Live for yourself today. Live it up for today. I'll tell you, in the whole scheme of things, five billion years from now, I'm not going to care two hoots about today as far as all the things I could have, would have, should have done. I'm thinking worldly things, right? All these temptations, all the things I, that would have been fulfilling to me, all the vacations I would have liked to have taken, all these things that would have self-served and all the rest. I'm going to be in heaven for five billion years and you think I'm going to look back and think, man, I should have lived it up while I was on earth. Really? <clears throat> what happens when Jesus comes? Last review. Seismic upheavals. Righteous dead are raised. Righteous living are changed. Immortality is bestowed. Wicked living are destroyed. Righteous welcome Christ. Righteous go to heaven. This question, what about the secret rapture? We may not even have group time tonight. Oh, well. It's this fire water, Doris. Keep drinking it. <clears throat> what about the secret rapture? Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Jesus says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come. Oh, there's the thief. That's the rapture. What's the context of this, by the way? If he would have known what hour the thief would have come, he would have been ready. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, really, that's the whole idea of the thief. It's not so much that he has to keep it a secret. He doesn't care about keeping it a secret. Otherwise, he would have been much more careful when he rummaged through your house. So you'd never know in the first place. No, he throws everything around. The point is, you're not there. And if you would have known, you would have been there. You know, the redneck way with your sawed-off shotgun and the rocking chair, bring it on, buddy. But you didn't know. And so the thief came and took you. For everything you had. So time is the issue when it comes to the thief. Every reference we have to the second coming as a thief, it's in reference to time, not manner. Everything we just read about the trumpet and the, the sound of the archangel and the, all these other things, the dead in Christ, that's not going to be secret. How's any of that going to be secret? That doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you this example. Fence posts. Anybody ever dug fence posts for a long, maybe you got horses or something? Okay, we got a few here. I dig one fence post, and I put it right here, okay? And now I can put a second fence post wherever I want to, and I'll have a straight line. Is it true? Yes. Yeah. If I put it here, perfectly straight line. If I put it over here, perfectly straight line. Am I a magician? No. I just have two fence posts. But let's say I put it right here. And then now, if I'm good at this, what am I going to do before I plant this fence post? I'm going to line those up. So I'm going to stand back here. Excuse me for one second. I'm putting a fence here. And I'm going to line those up. Okay, good. I like that. I'm going to grab another chair and another chair. And I'm going to keep lining up fence posts. So when my Uncle Bill comes out and says, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to say, I'm making a fence. Doesn't it look nice? 
Where is he going with this? He's lost his mind. No, I haven't. I have, but I haven't. Let's suppose we have a Bible passage that doesn't line up with the rest, so we think. We think it's out here. And if this is the only fence post we had, we could come up with a host of interpretations for it. Are you with me? It's the only one we have. So your theory might be correct, my theory, that person's theory, everybody's theory could be correct. And I could stand on this thing all day long and say, this is where it belongs. But if I have that verse, and this verse, and this verse, and this verse, and they're all lining up, and then this one makes it crooked, what can I do? I can either stand here and yell louder, or I can say, oh, well, could I possibly interpret it this way? Yeah, I think I could. Hey, looky there. I have a straight fence. Isn't that great? It fits. It works. I submit to you that there are passages in Scripture that is the only passage we had. I won't crowd you anymore. We would say, no, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. But when we take all of it together and compare Scripture with Scripture, all of a sudden the fence posts line up. They have to. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's a matter of time, uh, not manner. So when Jesus comes as a thief, the world will not accept it either. Sorry, expect it. Thank you. I knew something didn't sound right. When Jesus comes as a thief, the world will not expect it either because it's a matter of time. Peace and safety is not going to happen. Therefore, you all, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's the time emphasis again. You're not expecting it. Of course not. That's why the thief is coming then. Watch out. If everybody knows you're coming to these meetings. No, okay, I won't say that. 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, but the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Does that sound like a secret event? The second coming is a surprise to the unprepared. That's the point. That's the point. What about the expression, one taken and the other left? You know, it'll be out in the field and one will be taken and one will be left be raptured, right? Here it is, Luke 17, 36. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. They'll be flying the plane and the one pilot is, shoom, gone. Person next to you, shoom, gone. Driving down the interstate, shoom, somebody else is gone. As it was in the days of Noah. Notice that's Luke 17, 36, right before this. As it was in the days of Noah. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Were people disappearing in the days of Noah? Were they disappearing in the days of Lot? Just poof, gone. No. We see something very different. We see two classes, one saved, one lost. Right? There is no second opportunity. The time to get serious about your salvation is now. Just because there's two groups, one will be taken to heaven and one won't. One will be taken and one will be left. One will go up to heaven and one will stay here. One will live for eternity and one will die. Does it make sense? So Christ's coming will be a joyous event. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. There's that space travel. Here's Jesus right here. And here's a throng of his followers. Now's the time to spend on our knees, to train our children, to pray with our wives, to be the spiritual leaders of our homes, 
as we look forward in great anticipation of this event. I believe it's real because the Bible says it. And I want to be as prepared as I can be. I don't want to be a, a frantic mess. I don't want to be a jumbled bunch of nerves. Why? Because when he comes, behold, this is my God. I've waited for him and he will save me. Right? If I want to be a jumbled bunch of nerves, I'll try and ignore him for now. But there'll be that gnawing. Is there anything that would keep you from being ready for the coming of Christ? There's only one thing that can satisfy today and forever, and that's Jesus Christ. You may not believe me, but a lot of people have testimonies about this. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And their testimony over and over and over and over again is I tried drugs, I tried sex, I tried alcohol, I tried all of these things. And I kept thinking at the end I would be satisfied. And they got to the end, and then they got to the end again, and they got to the end again. And the same song, second verse, it's not here, it must be there. It's not here, it must be there. And they keep going and going and searching and searching and never, never find it. It's going to come and a manner maybe similar to this, about the size of a man's hand. And it grows bigger and bigger until we recognize that Jesus Christ is coming to deliver us. And that will be a wonderful, wonderful day when families are reunited. And I pray on that day, the circle will be unbroken in your family and mine. And we can live with God in heaven for eternity. For he is worthy, and he's the only one that can save us. But he longs to save us and to live with us in a world that doesn't have all the pain and suffering and heartache that it has now. So Matthew 25, 34, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to be ready when you come. We want to be prepared for your coming. We want to live for you and choose you today so that when that day comes, we don't have to be filled with fear or with dread, but with excitement and with joy of what that day means. And we thank you for your word that makes it so clear what we can expect. And so, Lord, we just pray quietly in our own hearts, help us to be ready. We want to be ready. And we don't have to question. We simply have to say, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I want to choose you this day. I want to live for you this day. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.